podcast where we are currently reading through the gospel of Mark. We said in an earlier podcast that Mark does not record a lot of Jesus' teaching. He puts more emphasis on Jesus' miracles. But in in this week's episode, Mark shares one of Jesus' parables, and next week he shares three more. What is a parable, and why did Jesus tell them? Well, a parable is an analogy, an illustration. It uses something familiar to help the listener understand the unfamiliar. Jesus used things that were common and well-known in first century Palestine. Things like a farmer sowing seed in a field. He used those things to help his disciples connect with spiritual truths, such as what happens when God's word is taught. You can just tell me something, but when you use a picture, it helps me understand. Why did Jesus use parables so often in his teaching? The disciples asked him that very question, so we will hear Jesus' answer. But first, let's begin with prayer. Almighty God, your word is cast like seed into the ground. Now let the dew of heaven descend and righteous fruits abound. Whene'er the precious seed is sown, life-giving grace bestow, that all whose souls the truth receive, its saving power may know. Amen. Mark chapter 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When Jesus was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Why parables, Jesus? His disciples ask. Jesus assures them it's not to make it more difficult for them. To them he has given the secrets of the kingdom of God, namely, 
how God deals with his people, how he sent them a redeemer, a savior from sin and death. But sadly, there are those who will refuse to hear that message, just as there were in Isaiah's day. Jesus here quotes Isaiah, describing the people of Isaiah's day. They will be ever hearing, but never understanding. And finally, when people refuse to receive the message, that message becomes a preaching of judgment against them. Instead of a message that turns them to the forgiveness of the cross, it hardens them in their unbelief. It becomes a testimony against them. It was true in Isaiah's day. Jesus recognizes it is also true in his prophetic ministry. There would be some who would refuse to hear. Let's, let's be very clear, though. Jesus is not telling us here that we should apply these words of Isaiah to our hearers. We ought never to say, well, that person is damned. No point in sharing the good news of a Savior with them. No. The point of this parable, at least in part, as we will see in just a minute, is just the opposite of that. In his recent book, Professor Mark Paustin writes, there is power in story to lower our defenses and, quoting C.S. Lewis now, sneak past those watchful dragons. Do you remember, we have an example of this in the Old Testament, do you remember how the prophet Nathan confronted David with his sin? He told David a story, a story about a man who had stolen and killed another man's precious lamb. When David reacted with outrage, Nathan made the point. You are the man, David. That's what you did. If Nathan had directly confronted David, David's defenses probably would have been up and he may have refused to listen. But the story, the parable, made David think. And he came to the correct conclusion on his own. He had sinned and deserved to die. Now Nathan could share the good news of forgiveness. Jesus' parables, too, they, they draw us in. They make us think. They illustrate and they clarify. Even Jesus' enemies, those who opposed him, when Jesus told a parable, they, they couldn't immediately speak against it. They had to, they had to pause and, and think about the story. Stories have the power to, to draw us in. Jesus' hearers had all seen farmers plant their seeds. Some had probably planted fields themselves taking that large bag of seed, which they usually slung over their shoulder, and walking along, scattering the seed by hand. He who has ears, let him hear, Jesus says. Clearly, Jesus is not instructing farmers on how to plant their crops. He's teaching us about the kingdom of God. What's the connection to the, to the spiritual truths? What does Jesus want us to learn? What, what is the seed? What are the birds, the rocky places, the thorns? Well, thankfully, in this one, Jesus makes it easy for us as he explains. Verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, 
like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. The context here is helpful. You remember in the section we looked at last week, right before this, some Pharisees had confronted Jesus and called him a devil. And then even his own family failed to grasp his true identity. Jesus here is answering the question of why. Why are some not responding to his teaching in faith and discipleship? And here's the explanation. Some seed falls along the path. Some of Jesus' teaching falls along the path and is devoured by birds. There's a, a battle going on for the lives of every man, woman, and child. And the sad reality is, sometimes Satan takes away the message before the hearer ever understands or begins to believe. Some seeds, some of Jesus' teaching, falls on rocky ground. There was no shortage of rock in Palestine. And sometimes that rock was buried underneath a thin layer of soil. Seed would germinate quickly in such places because the sun warmed the shallow soil. But the seedlings soon withered and died when the sun got hot because they couldn't send down roots into that rock. This is a picture of those who hear the word and initially believe and follow, but they never put down roots into that word. They never grow. So when difficulties come, they turn away and no longer follow Jesus. Some seeds fall on ground in which thorns also grow. Some people initially believe and follow Jesus, but their faith gets choked out when wealth seduces them or when the worries of life smother them. Some of the seed that is sown, most of the seed that is sown, never produces fruit. This is one of the mysteries of the kingdom of God, that when God comes to his world, he comes in a way that is lowly and resistible. But Jesus says that some seed falls on good ground and produces great results. Some hear and understand the word. The king has come to forgive and to reclaim his people. And those who hear it and receive that message follow Jesus and produce fruit in their lives. So, how should we apply this parable to our lives? I suggest the following. First, like many of Jesus' parables, there is an unexpected feature here, something that, that seems exaggerated from real life. And here I believe it's that the sower seems to be going a little crazy throwing the seed around, doesn't he? I mean, I, I know it's true that, that sowing by hand would result in some seed falling in a few places you didn't really intend. But this guy seems overly liberal in dispersing the seed. 
I, I think the hymn writer, Martin Franzman, caught it well in, in, in hymn 895 in our hymnal. The sower sows. His reckless love scatters abroad the goodly seed. Though some be snatched and some be scorched and some be choked and matted flat, the sower sows. His heart cries out, oh, what of that and what of that? Of all his scattered plenteousness, one-fourth waves ripe on hill and flat and bears a harvest hundredfold. Ah, what of that, Lord? What of that? This parable illustrates the liberal love of Jesus whose gracious invitation, it goes out to all. Marvel at the generosity of our God that his word has reached even you and me. Second, do not expect the ministry of Jesus, either in the first century or in the 21st century, to be successful in ways that fallen human nature considers a success. When the message of Jesus is told, it will not always work in the sense of attracting droves of followers. The Son of God himself met with rejection and animosity. As we carry out his mission, we too will suffer rejection for his namesake. Third, the word of God has the power to create the response of good works in all kinds of ways in the lives of Jesus' disciples. Simply put, the word works. Whatever good is in us, God has worked it through his all-powerful word. Fourth, and finally, this parable encourages us to live carefully. While we as believers, as disciples, are represented by the fourth category in Jesus' story, the seed that has fallen on fertile ground, the truth is that we live in a world where Satan and the lure of, war, of wealth and worry are everywhere. While by God's grace we follow Jesus, we do so aware of the spiritual dangers around us. Satan wants to snatch that word out of our lives. There, there is the temptation of, of worldly wealth and, and the anxious thoughts that, that come by worrying of the things of this world. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of the word. And this parable is about receiving the word. The word can be undervalued and so can be lost. Its fruits can be choked out by the desire for wealth and the mundane cares of life. People can think they look like giant oaks of faith, but don't put down any roots. Here's the message of the parable. God's word is powerful. Treasure it. Grow in it. Put down deep roots. Through life it guides our way, and death it is our stay. Lord, grant while worlds endure, we keep its teachings pure throughout all generations.